0: Hey everyone and welcome back to Pucks and Pages.
1: My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty.
0: We're a married couple with different interests and we try to bring each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports.
1: I was going to say, you you stopped and you looked at me like, am I supposed to fill this in? Obviously today is a sports episode, you can tell by the glee in my wife's voice. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here right now.
1: Always, always, always. Where did you want to start this week?
0: The same way we start every time, Pinky.
1: Taking over the world.
0: And also the NHL. Yes. I noticed that you have some COVID updates for the NHL. I absolutely do not. So if you want to start with that.
1: Yeah, so the Toronto Maple Leafs announced that their players and staffs will be 100% vaccinated before the season start as a organization requirement. So they're not playing any games, which I think is good because... There's only a few sports teams out there that actively are like, COVID's a bad thing. You all need to be vaccinated. Like Everybody's trying to get their teams vaccinated, but to be like, either you're here at 100% or you're not at the beginning of the season. So That's good. A strong stance. Uh, The Senators also announced that this season they are expecting to be at full capacity for their stadium at the beginning of the season, but will be requiring fans to be fully vaccinated so they'd have to have proof of vaccination as well. Nice. Another good thing. Yeah. So maybe Ottawa this year? It'll be a safe place to go watch hockey if the Canadians will let us in, of course.
0: Maybe. Yeah. And then we have a couple things of player health this week. The Carolina Hurricanes defenseman Jake Gardner is set to have hip and back surgeries, which is a lot. And he isn't expected to play this season, according to GM Don Waddle, Waddle?
1: Depends if he's German or if he's Canadian, I guess, or American. It could be anywhere.
0: And then related to my team, Sidney Crosby had surgery on his left wrist on Wednesday and isn't expected to be ready for the start of the regular season, so we won't see him play in the first handful of games or so. He is set to be sidelined for at least six weeks. It's the same wrist that he's already had surgery on before, so I guess this is just a issue he has. And we also had a trade this past week. The Arizona Coyotes traded Christian Dvorak to the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday for two draft picks. The Coyotes will receive the higher of the Canadiens' two first-round picks in the 2022 draft and a second-round pick in the 2024 NHL draft. The thing with this trade, though, is technically the Coyotes only get the higher of the Canadiens' first-round picks if it's not within the first 10 picks. So if they're not picking 1 through 10, they get the higher of the two picks. Right. So it's just weird and conditional and whatever.
1: One of the picks is from Carolina related to an offer we're going to talk a little bit about later, but I don't really see either of those teams being anywhere near the top 10. They're both really quality teams again this year based on the moves that they made in the offseason. So it's like odds are you're probably going to be just on the outside looking in with really late first round draft picks. But I guess a first round draft pick is still a first round draft pick. You're probably going to get a player that can change a little bit of the franchise.
0: Well, no matter what picks they're going to get, whether it's like number 12 or number 22, like I don't like picks for players. Yeah. So
1: I don't know. Well, the crazy thing about it is it does give the Coyotes the ability to have five second-round picks in this upcoming draft. So, like, they already are going to have two first rounds. They have five second rounds. And then literally in 2024, I believe they already have three second-round picks, not counting this one. So they'll have four second-round picks again in that draft. So they're pretty well loaded for the rebuild at this point. But speaking of that lovely little piece of thing that went down with Carolina... That was kind of more of a slap-in-the-face taunt at first is kind of what we all saw it
0: as. Cote Kanami signed a one-year $6.1 million contract with the Carolina Hurricanes after the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday announced their decision not to match the offer sheet that was tendered by the Hurricanes on August 28th. Basically, because he was a restricted free agent, they had the time to match the offer, but... I think everyone agrees that it's too much money for this guy, but it's basically a PR move, that offer sheet, that they were doing because like it was, like you said, a slap in the face to the Montreal Canadiens given what they've done in the past to the Hurricanes in doing a similar offer for one of their players.
1: Yeah, for Sebastian Ajo previously. And it's an interesting contract. Just Jasperi is... Like There's potential upside. He's still only in his sophomore year in the NHL, so it's like there's an opportunity for him to progress. It's just a matter of whether he will or not, and that's kind of the risk. But Carolina's goal, the GM, did come out and state that he was trying to sign him for a longer-term, less-money contract, and it was just a move to more or less add the piece into the roster at the time. And they had cap space, so it didn't really wasn't that big of a risk for them, I guess. I just don't think he's worth that much money. Well, we'll see. If he ends up being like a 50-60 pointer player, then it's really not so bad, but it could blow up in his face a little bit.
0: And like you said, in this whole thing, the Canadians received a first and third round pick for the 22 draft from the Hurricanes. I know a lot about hockey, but I'm not sure why they had to give them that because I don't understand enough about hockey apparently.
1: I don't know that it's you don't understand enough about hockey because arguably I know you know a lot about hockey. I won't ever say that. But I feel like offer sheets are just so uncommon. Like we've seen two I believe in our lifetime. So like it's not a very common experience.
0: So is it just because he was a restricted free agent that they had to give something up for him or?
1: I believe it's just part of the rules with the offer sheets. It's always a first and a third. So it's just a thing that's hmm. just rough. But I, I don't even understand the rules 100%. I tried to dig for it and it's not something that's right on the surface level rules.
0: Either way, I think it's too much money for a one-year contract for a player that hasn't really tested his metal yet. And I think the $20 signing bonus, you know, is a good PR stunt and they can use it to, like they've already done give people these offers for their online store, $20, blah, 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 blah. And, like, it's cute, and you'll get people to spend money at your store or whatever. It's just
1: weird. On top of that, they added $15 to the bottom of his contract, so it was $6,100,015, which is Kasperi's number. So, like, it was just literally just weird offer thing going on, and I don't know, they... They're doing a huge uh, sponsorship of a lot of, like, collegiate athletes to them in Florida. So, like, people, they're just spending money in weird ways. Right. So, uh, I think that's kind of the biggest news story about it is, is like, Carolina is being weird.
0: What's new? Yeah. I think it's just going to be one of those things where time will tell how good or how bad this deal was. Yeah. So, we'll see. We also had a couple of signings coming out of Calgary this past week. Brad Richardson signed a one-year $800,000 contract with them on Wednesday. Not really surprising, but it is just slightly over the league minimum. And then you had Eric Goodbranson sign a one-year $1.95 million contract with them on Friday. He said that the Flames were the first team to contact him as a free agent. I don't think that's why he signed with them, but they were the first ones to talk to him after he entered free agency.
1: Also, the Calgary Flames were busy signing even more defensemen. They signed Connor Mackey to a two-year extension with an AAV of $912,500. As well, they also signed defenseman Michael Stone for $750,000 for a one-year contract. So,
0: Which is the league minimum.
1: Yep. So, so they got busy with their defensemen.
0: And then Zach Parise agreed to a contract with the New York Islanders on Friday. The terms of the deal weren't disclosed, but from what I was able to find, the 37-year-old forward had the remaining four seasons of his 13-year, $98 million contract bought out by the Minnesota Wild on July 13th, which is what made him an unrestricted free agent to begin with to be signed by the Islanders.
1: I'm sure it's not going to be a lot of money just because he's been on a downward trend over the last couple years. Like He's still playing well, but definitely not 13-year... 90 plus million dollar contract well so.
0: Right I mean that was an AAV of 7.54 million which is a lot for the NHL. Well
1: on top of that the Wild needed to clear a lot of cap space to try to keep its talent this season so I'm really not shocked to see them buying out contracts to try to save cap room.
0: But where does that money come from?
1: The pockets of the organization. I guess. Yeah. The question is do you just have them keep paying you annually or do they just give you a lump sum?
0: I think it's a lump sum.
1: Yeah. Also this week, the Ottawa Senators signed their GM, Pierre Dorian, to a contract extension through the 2024-25 season. It also allows the team to have an option for one year at the remaining end of that contract. So possibly through 2026. Yeah. We'll see what ends up happening.
0: And then we've got some people who have been elected to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame class for 2021. They are Stan Fischler, Paul Holmgren, and Peter McNabb. Fischler is an award-winning journalist and broadcaster known as the Hockey Maven, and he and former NHL players Holmgren and McNabb will be inducted in December with the class of 2020, whose enshrinement was postponed due to concerns about COVID. So it's going to be a long event, at least.
1: For that matter, all the Hall of Fame things that have been going on, like the NBA had theirs, the MLB has had theirs recently. Everybody's kind of just like squishing it all in because they have to make up for last year's and this year's. Right. So it's just been a lot of stuff going on with not like actual sport news. We talk about the hockey one to stay away from the other ones for the most part, I would imagine. But David Backus, a player who's haunted me as a Chicago sports fan for many, many years, has announced that he's retiring from the NHL after signing a one-day contract with the St. Louis Blues. The 37-year-old forward was selected by St. Louis in the second round of the 2003 NHL draft and played 10 seasons there. He was the captain from 2011 to 2016. He obviously did some stints with... Uh, Boston and Anaheim most recently were his last two stops in his career. So didn't ever get to see him play in either of those locations personally, but it it was always a rough time to be like, oh, David Backus is on the ice. Great. Nothing like a hard-hitting center to ruin your day. Right. (laughs) Kudos to him. I hope he enjoys retirement. I know sometimes it's hard on players to just cut out the routine of playing, so hopefully it goes smoothly for him.
0: And the NFL kind of blew up this past week as well because the start of the season happened last week.
1: Sure did. And boy, it was an exciting first game. I know you fell asleep through it, but I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: I think that was the fastest I've fallen asleep in a long time. So thanks, NFL.
1: (laughs) Watch all the sponsorships from the NFL and teams willing to send us players to interview. Just go down the toilet if we ever had that chance.
0: But there is some COVID news that's coming out this past week. The Seattle Seahawks are going to require proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test prior to home games for fans over the age of 12. The club's policy will also require masking for fans regardless of vaccination status. And this is in accordance with local and state mask mandates. So don't blame the club for that if you're an anti-masker. An exception will be made for eating and drinking while sitting in a stationary location, so not walking around eating, you can't do that. And in order to work, Lumen Field staff will be under the same requirement. It is the first open-air NFL venue to make this requirement. Domed facilities for the Las Vegas Raiders and the New Orleans Saints previously established similar policies. And they've come out and said that the club will not issue refunds for ticket holders who choose not to comply. So if you get kicked out for not wearing a mask, it's your own fault you're not getting a refund.
1: I'm not kind of shocked to hear that because, like, if you ever read the back of a ticket, they can pretty much kick you out for anything as long as you're causing enough of an issue to them, basically. So if you're not going to follow their rules, they can kick you out. Mm -hmm. They're a private business. It's a wonderful thing in America. You know, we can decide as private businesses to boot you out if we don't want you in the building anymore. It is a stadium, though, that is capable of being closed off. So, like, it technically can be a domed stadium just because it is Seattle, after all, and rain does happen there What
0: I'm hearing is that it's a convertible arena.
1: It is, actually, yeah. Kind of like the one here in Arlington for our baseball stadium.
0: I'm just imagining... The roof coming on the way it does in, like, your mom's convertible. Like,
1: folds up and then in, you yeah. know, just rolls, slides back and forth, but...
0: I like the picture in my head better. Yeah. <laughs> but we have some not-so-great COVID player health news. Head coach Mike McCarthy announced on Sunday that Cowboys guard Zach Martin tested positive for COVID. The team placed him on the COVID reserve list shortly thereafter, so he'll have to wait his X number of days to return.
1: Yep. And then not COVID player health-related news. Baltimore Ravens cornerback Marcus Peters and running back Gus Edwards suffered torn ACLs during back-to-back plays at Thursday's practice. Both are set to miss the season. So I discussed this a little bit like sidebar with you after I saw that you put this in the notes it's their third string running back that is injured now after their first and second string also had season ending injuries right. so, it's
0: not a great time to be a Baltimore Ravens fan I or, don't know if it ever is because I don't follow the NFL but they're,
1: they're one of the top teams right now they have a pretty darn good quarterback leading them
0: with their 23rd string, Running back, running back, not running quarterback. Backs? Yes, I said corner, not. Quarter. Oh,
1: I thought you said quarter. <laughs> I was like, no, just the one quarterback still, but he's had COVID twice, so you know.
0: Is that like getting two vaccination shots?
1: I don't think so, but they've signed Le'Veon Bell to a practice tryout, like just to see if he is still good enough to play. The reality is, like four seasons ago, Le'Veon Bell was the number one running back in the NFL. And then he started complaining about his contract to Pittsburgh. And since then, every team he's been on, he's just been mediocre at best. So we'll see if he gets an opportunity. But like beggars can't be choosers at this point, I would imagine. Like, if you're already working, looking for your fourth running back of the season and you haven't even played a game yet, like, other than preseason, oof, like, that's tough.
0: And the Washington football team has placed wide receiver Curtis Samuel on IR following a groin injury. He's said to be out for at least three weeks, so at least he doesn't need surgery, I suppose. But I would
1: imagine he like just pulled a muscle or something like that. Like
0: it just—I don't know why—but every time I hear about a groin injury in some sport, I'm like, that's a little obscene. Can we find a different word to discuss this? But it's but not it is what, what it is.
1: Most of the time, it's not exactly what you think it is. But like. The muscles in the area around the groin is usually what they're referring to. But but that's still, not what you think. No, it's not. You know, people or at least have it's not what I think. Filthy minds.
0: <laughs> what are you saying?
1: I don't know. It's up to you how you take it.
0: Nothing nice Just about like me. Just like your
1: opinion on the whole perception of groin injuries. But the New Orleans Saints have acquired cornerback Bradley Roby in a trade with the Houston Texans on Wednesday. I'll tell you, I would be a happy camper to get Anywhere away from Houston at this point in time, they do not have a good-looking team. They're still dealing with the quarterback issues. It's just, I feel like it's going to be a toxic locker room to be in, and for the right reasons. Like, it is what it is at this point. Tyrod Taylor was named the starting quarterback this week as well for that team, so I don't know what they're going to do with our boy down there in Houston who doesn't deserve to be in the NFL anymore. Just kind of sit and wait to see, I guess.
0: And I believe that they ended up getting a third round pick in the 2022 draft for him, but also a sixth round in the 23 draft. That's good. So it's picks for players yet again. Yeah.
1: The Houston Texans did sign wide receiver Danny Amendola to a one-year contract worth $2.5 million. He's originally from the Houston area, so like coming to the end of your contract, it kind of makes sense to like move back around family and stuff like that. Uh, Most notorious he had a good stint with the Rams as well as with the Patriots won two Super Bowls with the Patriots in his four years in the organization so he's been kind of uh, around I think it was like five or six teams now that he's played for in the NFL so might as well just add one more team I guess.
0: The Baltimore Ravens tight end Mark Andrews has signed a four-year, $56 million extension with them. The $14 million AAV makes him the third highest paid player at his position, and his deal is good through the 2025 season. Another extension came out of the Minnesota Vikings organization. They signed right tackle Brian O'Neill to a five-year, $92.5 million extension. This new deal gives O'Neill a massive pay raise. He is set to make $2.43 million in base salary this year, and he'll see that jump to an average of $18.5 million per year when the extension takes effect. So about $16 million a year
1: jump. It's pretty nice.
0: I don't know if this is performance-based or just he was really good in negotiations.
1: I would bet to jump that high, it's not just negotiations, it's probably a player's ability as well to be included in that, but...
0: I was going to say blackmail, but all right.
1: <laughs> he has been their starting tackle for a while now, so it's, it's, it's due to him at least a little bit of monies.
0: The Steelers also did an extension this past week. TJ Watt has agreed to a four-year extension with them worth more than $112 million on Thursday. It includes $80 million of fully guaranteed money and will pay Watt an average of $28.003 million per year. This makes him the highest paid defensive player in the entire NFL.
1: Which is kind of funny because his brother JJ signed a huge contract with the Cardinals during the offseason, but it's his first big contract for TJ Watt. So like literally JJ sent him a text to be like, hey, so all that money I loaned you, you're going to send that to me via Venmo? <laughs> like, funny. as a joke, because he got the big contract. As well, to like, Ben Rosselberger was like, if we don't give him the money he deserves, we're stupid. Like, he, so everybody was just giving him all the motivation and uh, hype that he deserved. So it's kind of cool to see him collect that first big check. It's always relieving, I'm sure, as an athlete.
0: It's too much money.
1: <laughs> Obviously, the Steelers disagree.
0: Clearly. <laughs> yeah. And this next name you'll probably have to correct me on because I've never seen it before in my life. I've probably heard it somewhere, but Naheem Hines and the Indianapolis Colts have agreed to a three-year, $18.6 million extension. The new deal includes $12 million in guaranteed money.
1: I would say nail nailed it. I would have said it the same way, so.
0: But that doesn't mean we were correct.
1: So if we're not, just let us know. Right. Send us a message, a DM, an Instagram, whatever. You know, we'll, we'll apologize.
0: But in non-signing news, the Saints released Latavius Murray just a few days before the team's season opener against Green Bay. It's because they're up against the salary cap, apparently, and this release will end up saving them $3.17 million in immediate cap space, which gives them a little bit of financial breathing
1: room. They're in a pickle where they technically have two starting quarterbacks right now on their roster. Which that sounds expensive. It's not a it's not a perfect choice. And what's crazy is last year they had three. The difference was two of them hadn't had to renegotiate their contract yet, and the other one retired during the offseason, so they now have two but full-size contracts.
0: Because they renegotiated their contracts?
1: Well, it was time for them to get yep. a new contract extension, so yeah. It did put him a little bit of a bind, to say the least.
0: And because athletes can't help being athletes, the Dallas Cowboys starting right tackle Lyell Collins...
1: It's the way it's pronounced, so...
0: Good job, mate. Yep. ...has been suspended by the NFL for five games due to violating the NFL policy on substances of abuse. His suspension stems from missing drug tests, apparently... He's going to end up being eligible to return to the Cowboys active roster on October 18th. So it's like a month, month and a half suspension.
1: Well, that makes sense since they play usually once a week. So five games, it's pretty healthy suspension though.
0: But I don't know if he actually is doing drugs or if he's just like, I'm not going to go pee in a cup for you guys.
1: Or maybe he just missed his appointment. We've all missed an appointment before, but as an athlete, that's not the one you usually want to miss.
0: Speak for yourself. (laughs) I've never missed an appointment in my life. But also, I feel like if it's five games, they have to have
1: something on you. Yeah. Speaking of the season starting, we had the Cowboys and the Buccaneers face off in the first game. It was the most watched season opener since the 2015 season with 26 million viewers. Are people just bored? Or it was a really exciting game. Was it? It really was. Uh, Honestly, I expected the Buccaneers to just trounce Dallas and the Cowboys hung in there. They had some good interceptions and some good offense. So. I don't
0: know what the score ended up being, but we had talked in the morning and I said that the Bucks were going to win 14 over the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, the Bucks ended up winning by two.
0: And you said I was too low in how much they were going to win by, so you were more wrong than me.
1: Well, honest to God, everybody was expecting them to lose by that much, so.
0: Aren't you glad we don't gamble on
1: sports? Yes, truly.
0: But moving on to my least favorite sport of all the sports, the MLB.
1: It's not so bad.
0: Is it not so bad? It's not so bad. It is that bad. I don't know. We have a player here who is tested positive for COVID. His name is Chris Sale, and he's of the Red Sox. He won't end up playing in the series against the White Sox that started a few days ago, but the manager of the Red Sox, Alex Cora, said that the player feels good and will be back when his quarantine is over. It would be great if people could stop getting COVID, but we'll see.
1: What's crazy about this is that he is the 10th player to test positive for the organization in two weeks.
0: That is too many.
1: <laughs> it is far too many.
0: Given how long the pandemic has been going on, that's too many. Yeah. So, Like, you know what you should be doing at this point.
1: In response, after the first five cases, the Major League Baseball Association requires everybody in the dugout to wear a mask, whether they're playing or not. Right. So as soon as you come off the field, mask it up. When you come back onto bat, take the mask off. It's an
0: enclosed, enclosed space. It should be like that already.
1: It is not isn't. isn't. It? It's technically still pretty open. Like, dugouts are pretty well open, but I it's get a you. Hole. Yeah. You're the, sitting in a hole. Yes. <laughs> Usually speaking, yes. But either way... They didn't have that many cases over the last like three or four days. So technically the MLB is like, you don't have to wear masks anymore. And the coaching staff's like, No, we're still doing this. Right. Like until we completely get this under control. No 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 no. Everybody wears masks. So it's they're taking it serious. It's just they they fell behind at the beginning, clearly. So But they're starting to get players back from the first round of COVID bout. So that's good, I guess, for Boston. <laughs>
0: As long as they don't have long-term COVID symptoms.
1: So far, there haven't been any instances of that in the organization as far as I've seen, but no articles about that yet. So we'll find out later, I'm sure. The New York Yankees pitcher Zach Britton will be out until the end of the 2022 season after having reconstruction surgery on his UCL in his throwing elbow. Basically, Tommy John surgery. They didn't come outright and say it because there was stuff being done more than that to... Do the reconstruction
0: that sounds when you have to reconstruct something it means it's not constructed
1: <laughs> right so the wear and tear is like not just a simple tommy john surgery so they're they're having to do extra stuff and in turn he's going to be out until not the end of this season but the end of next season more than likely so they're expecting him sometime in august next year to start doing practice games come august and then maybe september october actually throw in like the minor leagues. So we'll see what actually ends up happening. So maybe you'll see him for the playoffs next year if the Yankees are in. I that don't just know. all sounds really bad. Yeah. But there were only two signings this week. Uh, the Braves signed pitcher Charlie Morton to a one-year extension worth $20 million. It's not bad for a pitcher, I feel, like $20 million for one year's worth of work. Like, not so bad at all, but...
0: For an NHL player, that's a lot of money. Right. I don't know anything about MLB contracts.
1: Uh, The Tampa Bay Rays promoted Eric Neander to President of Baseball Operations and gave him a contract extension. What's weird is I couldn't find the terms for, like, how long the contract extension even was, let alone the monies that were involved with it. But he's been with the organization for four and a half years, so I guess he's doing his job well because he got a nice promotion. Yeah. It's not an easy job to get President of Baseball Operations, so...
0: And this next one is something that we haven't been discussing on the podcast because it's someone behaving very badly and I'm so sick of athletes abusing women, but this one is actually affecting a team for the rest of the season, so I thought I would bring it up. L.A. Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer won't rejoin his team this season as the investigation continues into allegations of sexual assault. On Friday, the MLB and the Players Association agreed to extend his paid administrative leave through the end of the World Series. I don't think you should be getting paid when you're being investigated for sexual assault, but that's what's happening. He last pitched for the Dodgers on June 28th before a San Diego woman said that he assaulted her, which is what triggered an investigation by both the MLB and the police in Pasadena where he lives, and the alleged assault took place. Bauer has been on administrative leave since July 2nd. And even if the prosecutors don't press charges, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred said that they could issue an unpaid suspension for him under the CBA. I don't know why he has a paid suspension now, but...
1: actively, I think because the investigation is still ongoing. That's the reason they can't take it from him based on the CBA, but... At the same time, it's like, why don't we rewrite the CBA for instances like this?
0: But I mean, in the CBA, you can still do an unpaid suspension, even if they're not pressing charges. So why couldn't you do that while they're investigating?
1: I don't know. Don't know the rules that well.
0: That sort of crap makes me really angry, and so that is why we haven't been talking about it, because I would go off, and I still want to go off.
1: It's one of the many things like Deshaun Watson that's just been ongoing, and every week it's just more or less the same information, so this is kind of the first time we're seeing the MLB's stance on the subject at least a little bit, so...
0: I mean, they're just extending his leave until next spring training, basically. Right. But there was also an MLB-issued game suspension for the Washington Nationals starting pitcher Sean Nolan. It was issued on Friday, and it's going to end up being five games for intentionally hitting Atlanta Braves first baseman Freddie Freeman. The league also issued a fine to him and a suspension and fine to Nationals manager Dave Martinez for one game. Martinez ended up serving the suspension in Friday night's game in Pittsburgh, and bench coach Tim Bogart managed the team in his place.
1: The coach didn't end up like throwing hands on anybody or anything like that, but he definitely got in the umpire's face. And he did touch the umpire, but it wasn't like in a violent way. It was more of like a... I can't believe this type moment. Not like a, he pushed him or like poked him or something like that. Like it was just out of frustration. But like when you even
0: th- beyond like assaulting people, you're not supposed to touch people. But like during the time of COVID, like just don't touch people.
1: And that's more likely the reason that he got suspended is because that is one of the rules. You're not supposed to touch other people right now. So
0: or ever. Why do you want to have any type of human contact? Just don't.
1: I feel like that escalated very quickly. <laughs>
0: But there is some good COVID news coming out of the NBA. Well, depends on who you are, I suppose, whether you think this is good news or not. The Toronto Raptors have been approved to play games in their Scotiabank arena by the Canadian government. They will return for the first time in nearly 20 months. Last season, they played in Tampa, Florida because of travel restrictions related to the COVID pandemic. At the moment, it's unclear whether the team will be allowed to have full attendance in the arena, but fans who attend games will be required to show proof of vaccination. The Raptors will open their preseason against the Philadelphia 76ers on October 4th. So if you like the Raptors, I'm sure you're excited to go to a game this season. Right. I still worry about COVID because it's still happening.
1: Realistically, the slim chanceness of it happening is always going to exist so like I don't know like there's always a risk of getting sick when you're out in public but COVID has just made it a little more apparent I feel like
0: it's just because like it's not necessary for one team to travel back and forth to the U.S. in my opinion but it's a little different with hockey because you have like a bunch of Canadian teams versus the NBA which does not
1: and we clearly saw the flaws of that the Canadian team get all the way to the Stanley Cup.
0: <laughs> they don't need their own conference no. division.
1: Indiana Pacers guard Edmund Sumner has been diagnosed with a torn left Achilles. The injury occurred during an off-season workout, and he has been listed as out indefinitely. So they basically didn't want to give the time of when he'll come back, it right. sounds like.
0: I mean, he might need surgery, and they won't know till after the surgery or something like that. But
1: yeah, yeah. And this is a sad one for me because I grew up watching the Lakers and watching this player's brother play for the Lakers. The Lakers traded away Mark Gasol back to the Memphis Grizzlies on Friday. Memphis will then seek to waive the center so he can remain in his native Spain. So, Pau Gasol for a long time was like one of the best players for the Lakers when I was growing up watching them. So, it's always like, oof, that player's related to somebody I used to really like. I'm sorry that he's getting just passed around, and then waved, so...
0: Well, but he wants to stay in Spain, so, like, I'm not surprised that's happening, especially given everything in the world.
1: And basketball as a whole is growing in Europe, which a lot of people don't realize, but, like, European teams are getting better and better and better every single year. Like, the U.S. lost to two of them in exhibition games, so, like, who's to say that the leagues aren't as competitive overseas, so... So make some money and play the sport he loves, but then also be around his family more. So that's probably a plus everywhere.
0: There were also a couple of signings this past week. LaMarcus Aldridge ended up rejoining the Brooklyn Nets on Friday, five months after having to retire because of an irregular heartbeat. He retired in April after experiencing an irregular heartbeat in the last five games he played for the Nets. He was diagnosed with Wolff-Parkinson-White syndrome as a rookie in 2007, which is basically just an irregular heartbeat that sometimes goes too fast. But recently, he was medically cleared by doctors in the off-season, and his new deal is reportedly a one-year $2.6 million agreement. So it sounds like they don't want to sink a lot of money into someone who they feel iffy on their medical status, possibly.
1: Yeah. That makes sense though. The reality is they paid him out to cut his contract out at the end of the season last year, so like I get the it's high risk so why reward the situation I guess? Like he's still a good player, but who's to say his heart doesn't start acting up again?
0: Right. They don't know that they're going to get their full investment back out of him, so they don't want to do too much. Also, the Chicago Bulls signed former Toronto Raptors forward Stanley Johnson on Wednesday. I wasn't able to find the full terms on this deal, so who knows how much he's worth.
1: Yeah. And then the Minnesota Timberwolves signed forward Jared Vanderbilt to a three-year contract for $13.8 million. So I really don't know who that guy is, but payday?
0: I mean, it doesn't sound like a super large contract for the NBA. I mean, for the NHL, that's a lot of money, but...
1: For the NBA, it's kind of like pennies to an extent.
0: So I'm not surprised you don't know who that is.
1: In other NBA news, uh, Shaquille O'Neal is actively working on a documentary about his life. It will be a four-part series, and it's being directed by the same director that did Friday Night Lights, the TV series. Okay. I don't know if that's the best choice, but... It's a choice. We'll see what comes of it, but it seems like it's all the rage right now to make your own documentary series about your careers. So like, you obviously had the Michael Jordan one, which no matter what should have been done, but everybody's kind of trying to get involved with that. I know LeBron was actively working on something as well. So why not?
0: I don't know why this just reminded me, but I have a question about Jordan's documentary.
1: Oh, okay.
0: I know it has nothing to do with him, but did they discuss his father's death? What what happened to his dad?
1: I have no idea. I haven't seen the documentary.
0: His dad was murdered.
1: Well, I know that. Okay,
0: yeah. So like the true crime person in me is like, did they discuss that? Did they go over that cuz like it's kind of a weird story how his father died.
1: Yeah, I have no idea. I I would imagine they covered it just because it's part of his life, but right. How in depth, I have no idea. I don't think they made like a whole murder mystery episode about it though. Okay. All right.
0: But there's actually a decent amount of MLS news, kind of.
1: The MLS. I'm ready for you to go at it.
0: So, Romeo Beckham, who is the son of Global Superstar and Inter-Miami FC co-owner David Beckham, has signed with Fort Lauderdale FC, which is the sister club of Miami that competes in League One of of the United Soccer League. For me, it felt really weird reading that because I'm like, he should be an infant, he shouldn't be old enough for that yet, but he is. Apparently he's 19.
1: Well, to clarify, David Beckham is married to a Spice Girl. So that yes. doesn't date the age a little bit. Like,
0: Okay, you want to know what's worse? When I was reading the article, they didn't call her a Spice Girl or ex Spice Girl <laughs> or anything like that. They called her like a fashion house something or another. And I'm like, that's well, not she... what
1: she's known for. That is what she's known for now.
0: I know. It's just, it's weird because she was a Spice Girl. I was one of the girls who loved the Spice Girls when I was a kid. To me, she will always be a Spice Girl. Anyway, that's completely off topic.
1: A separate tangent for a different podcast.
0: <laughs> TLDR, world. are yeah. But, you know, I thought it was a little weird. Feels like a little nepotism, but sure, why not? But the more interesting thing that happened this week in local soccer is that the U.S. Soccer Federation President Cindy Parlo Cohn sent an open letter this week asking the unions of the women's and men's national teams to agree to equalize FIFA's World Cup prize money. She called for the men's national team to allow the USSF to reallocate a portion of FIFA's World Cup payments to the federation to the women's team. The World Cup prize money has been one of the many sticking points between the USSF, and the players, as the federation insists that because FIFA controls the prize pot, it's out of its control to divide it equally. The women's national players argue that there are a large number of games in which FIFA doesn't control the money, so they could do something with that. Parlo Cohn on Friday encouraged the U.S. women's national team and men's national team to join together to negotiate a solution that equalizes World Cup prize money between both organizations. Basically, they're like men take a pay cut. Women need to make more money. And I don't know that that's ever going to work in their favor because no one wants to make less money.
1: It's a different argument and take than they've made in the past. So, like, they used to argue, well, if the men make this much money by only making it to this round, then the women should make this much money for winning the whole thing. And that argument, a lot of the times, is combated with the men's World Cup is, A, watched by far more viewers, has much larger sponsorship dollars.
0: But you can't blame the women for that.
1: Well, yes, like, I get that. It's just that it's always the way it's been. And do I think there should be changes in that? Yes. But at the same time, like that's the reason the men get bigger checks. It's because the sport itself is larger on television, bigger sponsorships. It's the players that most people in the world know by name. Like it's the Messis, the Ronaldos, that kind of stuff. Now, I think if they gave better broadcasting rights to women's soccer, you would start to get to know those names better. Okay.
0: Tell that to Rapinoe. Like, every girl woman knows that name i
1: rapino but it's okay the point being is like there's not as many like the list isn't as long of players for women that are known worldwide for soccer as they are as men and i think that's wrong and i think a lot of it again has to do with the way games are broadcast as you stated they're just not as worldwide broadcast as the women's world cup should be and I think that's part of the problem, too. Because, like, if you asked me to name one person on the German women's national team, I couldn't do it. And it has a lot to do with the fact that it's just not as in my face as men's club and national soccer I is. mean, it's
0: a systemic issue, and I'm not going to go into this because we're pushing all of my feminist buttons this morning. But basically, I think if they're at the point where they can't get FIFA to fix it because they don't want to and also... They make the most money by pushing men forward over women. It is a good idea to then go to the national teams and figure out a better solution to try to fix the problem if you can't fix it in the
1: overall system. And that's why I think that this approach is better than the ones that they've taken in the past. I really do think that it's like, why not? Like the A, the men's players already make more money at the club level than women's women players do so why not take a pay cut at the national level which is more of a like a respect thing like you have the honor of playing for the national team like you've been selected you don't need to make millions of dollars playing for the national team when you're already making hundreds of millions playing at the club level so i agree i think there should be a pay cut for the men to help pay for the women's programs and pay for the women players
0: I think it's a creative attempt at a solution. I just don't know that it's going to actually go through and work. So we'll have to see what happens in the future.
1: And like, arguably when it comes to the broadcasting side of things that I was trying to make a point on... In Germany, the same broadcasting contracts include both the men's and women's teams. So, like, if they air all the men's games, they also have to air all the women's games. And so it's just a bundled thing in that situation. And that's why the women players in German women's leagues get paid more money on average than other club-level teams for women around the world. And I think more of that needs to happen. I think the MLS should come together with the National Women's Soccer League and work together on a broadcasting contract rather than it being two separate things. Therefore everybody gets paid more money because that's realistically the goal. You know, if, if the men and the women could make more money, I think that would be a good thing. Like, I don't think that's a negative thing, particularly the women do deserve to be paid more for what they do because they are professional athletes for crying out loud. Right. You know, and again, like Rapinoe is the known player and, she gets advertising dollars, so she's she's doing fine, but she's standing up for the other players that don't get that opportunity. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people don't see. They're like, well, she's making X amount of dollars. Yeah, because she's the face. Like, the rest of these players aren't getting paid living wages, and that's not fair.
0: right. Right. And we could get in and discuss how the fact that she's a pretty skinny white woman makes her more palatable to people in general, and how that's part of the reason she's making more money. But overall, the thing is, the women players on the national team need to make more than what they are. FIFA's not going to fix it, so organizations in the U.S. are trying to figure out ways
1: to make it possible. Trying to find ways around the issues that are stopping it from happening, or provide a good solution. There is more international soccer news. We'll keep it brief and short. I know there's one you want to talk about. It happened yesterday. Manchester United versus Newcastle United. We beat two, Four to one.
0: Yep.
1: At one point, there was a chance. And then uh, it went down the toilet very quickly. Was
0: there a chance? Yes. Yeah.
1: It was 1-1. The game was tied in the 56th minute. And I was like, wow, if we just keep playing, oh, no, no nope. defense. No defense is happening at all now.
0: It was insane watching that game because, like, your back line was, like, nine players deep. And they, it was held, ridiculous. they
1: held strong for, like, 60 minutes.
0: You were having, like, nine defensive positions, and we still beat you by three goals.
1: And to clarify on top of this, Newcastle was expected to lose by Obviously. roughly this many goals, if not more. But, like, even the way Newcastle played, like, in the first half, it was competitive. Like, Newcastle was right there with you guys. Ball possession was a little lopsided, but, like, when we did have the ball, there were high-quality scoring opportunities. So, like, I wasn't upset with the way the performance went, considering where my team is actively on the table right now, um, which is not pretty. Um, Well,
0: I just, I would have been so embarrassed if we had lost to you guys.
1: I was pulling for a draw just knowing that there was not a chance even for that, but we are actively sitting in 19th place with one point. We have played all teams, though, that are in the top five right now on the table, so, like, I don't feel so bad. Like You need to
0: start winning some
1: games. We need to play other teams that aren't high up on the table and start winning some games, so... Um, But speaking of who's on top of the table, because of that win yesterday, Manchester United is in first place over the rest of the Premier League actively.
0: You love to see it.
1: Second place you have Chelsea, then you have Man City in third. Boo, his. Brighton, Hove, Albion in fourth, and Tottenham in fifth, which is kind of weird to see Brighton so high up. Right, right. Brighton's won three out of their four games, so that's... I'm a little
0: surprised Liverpool isn't in the top five.
1: They're in seventh actively. Okay. So they're not that far down, so we'll see what happens there. The crazy thing is Arsenal is in 16th. Yeah. That's a weird place for them to be. Uh, and then yesterday, both of our teams played in the Bundesliga. You guys squeaked out a comeback victory against Bayer Leverkusen. The entire game you were down, and then you scored two unanswered to take the game, so...
0: That's why I can't actively watch my games, because we pull crap like that. Yeah.
1: Uh, and then Bayern Munich won 4-1 to one over Red Bull Leipzig, which is...
0: Not a surprise.
1: Well, I would disagree with that. Leipzig is a good team. Like, I didn't expect it to be a 4-1 win. Like, they literally... I
0: just in, expected you guys to beat them.
1: In the German papers, they were writing that it was a thrashing, and I'm like, well, yeah, because they're not a team that normally lets those number of goals in. But actively right now, you have VFL Wolfsburg on and number one first place. You have Bayern Munich in second place, Dortmund in third, Mons in fourth, and Freiburg in fifth. It's it's a weird year. So far for modern Gladbach, modern Gladbach is in 16th place. they've lost two and drawn in one game. Um, they play later today for their fourth game, so we'll see how that all works out.
0: It's also pretty early in the season.
1: And then you have Red Bull Leipzig, who this season is off to a slow start as well. They've lost three of their four games. They won their other one, but still like that's just rough. Other than that, I think that pretty much wraps up all the sports news, which is great because it's not as long of an episode as we normally have because we do have some dead space thanks to cat interruptions for edits.
0: That's always nice.
1: So it should make the episode nice and short for you guys. So this way you can power through that and get right to the book episode, which will come out on Thursday. The more important episode. Yeah. I know that Liberty thinks that and most of you do too, but we'll see you guys on Thursday.
0: In the meantime, make sure you stay connected with us on all of our social media. It will be linked in the show notes. Bye, guys. Bye.